Sociology heads to the cutting room floor in the free state of Florida, sparking controversy as supporters of the move counter with factual history courses about the founding of the United States. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Educate. I'm Liz Collin. Also ahead on the show this week, what we learned about higher education after October 7th, and is higher education finally at a turning point because of it? We're looking into malfeasance of leadership, spotlighted in one recent report coming up. Good day, everyone. Thank you for joining us. We're going to get to those stories and more in a moment. But first, welcome to Educate. We are a pretty new show, all things considered, around for the last few months here each week to take a deep dive into education. We're also showing you ways to get involved, to use your voice, to be educated yourself, help educate your kids, but then also how to best use that education, that information, And uh, as we dissect the central issues of education, providing criticism and positive solutions to problems each and every week here on Educate. My name is Liz Collin. I'll be your host here for the next hour. I'm a mom, so I get it. I'm uh, in the fight as well. I'm also a Minnesota-based journalist working for Alpha News, following along as we expose what you won't see on the nightly news in Minnesota. It's uh, alphanews.org. But this show is brought to you by The New American. Be sure to know more and to do more. And to talk about these issues and more today, we're going to be joined by the one and only Mr. Joe Wolverton. Joe Wolverton is the John Birch Society's constitutional law scholar and a head of a dedicated think tank focused on promoting and preserving the Constitution of the United States through defending and upholding the principles enshrined in the Constitution, as well as restoring the knowledge of the authors whose work influence the thinking and writing of the founding fathers. So Mr. Joe Wolverton will join us in a bit. He's going to share uh, also a bit more on his podcast, Teacher of Liberty, it's called. You should subscribe to it if you haven't already. Teacher of Liberty on YouTube. You'll find it there where he shows forgotten and hidden stories from our history to ignite fires of freedom. He has some great conversations uh, on his podcast, Teacher of Liberty. So be sure to check that out. He knows a lot about education himself, too, as a longtime educator. So more from Joe still ahead. Before we dive into today's topics, though, on sociology cuts in Florida and anti-Semitism on on college campuses across the country, I do want to highlight uh, this story for you. Falls in line with what we talk about each and every week here on Educate. This story from Alpha News. Think, though, it's just a, a snapshot of what's happening in plenty uh, of other school districts across the country as our, you know, so-called leadership, it's hard to even use that word, uh, allows our borders to remain wide open at a cost to all of us. So to set set the scene here, we have a stunning 371,000, more than 371,000 individuals were caught entering the United States illegally in December. So that's just December of 2023. That breaks the previous record of 341,392. That was set in August uh, of 2023. But in total, more than 3 million people have crossed uh, illegally last year into the United States. That's according to uh, CBP numbers, the Customs Border Patrol. Where are they going? The answer really is everywhere, all over, uh, of course. So this story spotlights that a bit, what's happening here where I am as a Minneapolis-based reporter Um, The headline here from Alpha News, the majority of 2,500 Spanish-speaking students recently enrolled at uh, MPS, Minneapolis Public Schools, are new to country. So this announcement by MPS comes on the heels of an endless uh, illegal immigration crisis at the United States' southern border. 
So again, the article saying, according to officials with the Minneapolis Public Schools system, majority of Spanish-speaking students who enrolled at MPS in the last year are new to country. So they issued this press release, the Minneapolis uh, Public School System does, uh, earlier in the week talking about how they are announcing four orientation seminars for Spanish-speaking students and their families. Those seminars will take place at, at different schools throughout the district over the next several weeks. Um, and it says the Minneapolis Public Schools is excited and proud to be the district of choice for new Spanish-speaking families. Uh, this from their director of engagement. Uh, he goes on to quote, we encourage families new to the district or country to attend one of the orientation sessions and find the school that's near them and discover all the ways uh, Minneapolis Public Schools is making school a welcoming place where all children can succeed. So given the school district's specific acknowledgement regarding families who are new to the country, Alpha News, uh, then followed up uh, to the school to ask how many uh, the, the number of the newly enrolled Spanish-speaking students who are in the United States. So when they come back then and they say 2,500 over the last 12 months, the Minneapolis public school system has enrolled 2,500 Spanish speakers into the district. These students are not necessarily, the statement goes on to say, new to the country, but the majority are. Uh, that is how the statement is is worded. But can you imagine that 2,500 new students just within the last 12 months to the Minneapolis public school system? What does that do uh, with, with resources to the, the students already uh, well enrolled in, in class at this point? We're halfway through the year in January. Uh, the article talking about how the announcement uh, by Minneapolis Public Schools comes on the heels of an endless illegal immigration crisis at the United States southern border with massive amounts of illegal immigrants pouring into the United States every day. Cities and states across the country have become overwhelmed uh, with migrants. We recently reported at Alpha News that Minnesota's only immigration court has a record-breaking backlog from 2020 to 2023. The number of backlog cases increased by 126% in the course of a three-year period. So there's going to be a lot happening within the Minneapolis public school system. We'll continue to track it. But I also wanted to bring up this story here on Educate because I think it's something that many public schools across the country are now facing if they haven't faced already as a result of all of this illegal immigration. And then to provide a snapshot also that I think other districts can relate to, according to the U.S. News and World Report, just 39 percent of high school students enrolled in Minneapolis are proficient in reading. Uh, the reading proficiency rates for middle school and elementary school students in the district are even lower. Only 23% of high school students are proficient in math. So one has to wonder, uh, with this drain on resources, what that will do uh, to even proficiency in, in reading and math and other core subject as well. So you have Minneapolis Public Schools, the largest school district in the state of Minnesota. Over 30,000 students are enrolled there at its various uh, elementary, middle school, and, and high schools. And uh, you have... The, the school system spending just about $20,000, $19,000 per student each and every year. So they will likely, of course, be getting more money by these uh, 2,500 new students uh, within the last 12 months. It'll be interesting to see how this all all pans out. But it says, uh, as we put out in the article, in contrast, in Okahennepin, that's the state's largest uh, school district, um, I should say Minneapolis is among uh, one of the, the largest in the state, but it spends a little over 13000 uh, dollars a year on each student, uh, despite spending significantly less per student than Minneapolis. Over 60% of students in Anoka Hennepin are proficient in reading. Uh, math and reading proficiency rates at Anoka Hennepin are all higher than those at the Minneapolis uh, school systems in elementary, middle, and, and high school, but again, spending less money per pupil. 
Um, so the school district data referenced in the article is provided by U.S. News and World Report. But can you imagine making way for 2,500 brand new students just in the last 12 months who do not speak the language? Uh, so it'll be something we continue to track on on Alpha News. And we'll continue to keep track of it on Educate here as well. Up next, the Florida Board of Governors making big education moves on sociology and DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. We're going to talk to Jill Wolverton about that and more still to come. But first, get exclusive digital access to the most informative, nonpartisan, truthful news source for patriotic Americans. Discover a refreshing brand of time-honored values, principles, and insightful perspectives within the pages of the New American Magazine. Delve into a world where tradition is the foundation and exploration knows no bounds. From politics and finance to foreign affairs, environment, culture, and technology, we bring you an unparalleled array of topics that matter most. For more, visit thenewamerican.com slash educate25. It's a 25% off deal happening right now. The New American, no more, do more. Again, that's thenewamerican.com slash educate25. Self-reliance. It's not a phrase we hear much in our culture these days. The New American magazine has just released its latest collector's edition, Self-Reliance Foundation of Freedom. In it, the New American author's outline the necessity of self-reliance for a free people, tips for self-reliant living, and the importance of not giving up hope. Now, for a limited time, The New American is offering a bundle of three collector's editions, Self-Reliance, The Great Reset, and Trump World for just $19.95. A great stocking stuffer, available at shopjbs.org. Visit shopjbs.org today. Are you fed up with where our nation is headed? Here at the John Birch Society, we know how to fix a reckless, corrupt, and out-of-control government. It starts with patriots like you. We believe the only way to liberty and national sovereignty is to not only understand what's in our founding documents, but demand that every elected official adhere to them. The Constitution is America's only solution. Join the John Birch Society today. Visit us at jbs.org. Welcome back to Educate. I'm Liz Collin, and happy to again be joined by Mr. Joe Wolverton, the John Birch Society's constitutional law scholar. In this segment, we have a little bit to go over here. I'm going to start by by setting things up uh, with this story, Florida cutting sociology as a core higher education course sparks outrage. They're saying no evidentiary Basis. So this is the backstory from this Fox News article. Florida's move to cut sociology as a core requirement in the state university system prompted outrage from parts of the academic community and from sociologists. The Florida Board of Governors on Wednesday approved an amendment to replace principles of sociology with the introductory survey to 1877 in core course options. The board stated that the students will have the opportunity to take a factual history course that focuses on the forces that shaped America as part of their general education course requirements. They added that the course teaches a historically accurate account of America's founding. Historically accurate. How about that? The horrors of slavery, the resulting civil war, and the Reconstruction era, as they go on to explain. So I want to bring in uh, Joe Wolverton at this point. First of all, thanks so much for joining me again, Joe. How are you? 
I'm doing so well, Liz. How are you doing? Doing well. Also, happy Happy New Year to you. I I, I wanted to kind of uh, start the 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 year off with you as as we always do here, getting in getting into the year. But the exact def- definition of sociology, I did uh, refer to the dictionary on this. Sociology is the study of social life, social change and the social causes and consequences of human behavior. Sociologists investigate the structure of groups, organizations, and societies, and how people interact with these contexts. So what do you make of this uh, sociology a bit going out going out the window, a good or a bad thing in Florida? Well, probably a good thing because sociology as a as a discipline has always seemed to be seemed to me to be unnecessary. To be sort of a, a niche that doesn't need uh, doesn't need to exist. Um, I'll tell you a personal story because I know you love personal stories, Liz. Um, when I was in high school, we had a class, a sociology class, and I took it because the the teacher was uh, famous, infamous for giving A's. He was just one of the, he was a hippie, and his thing was I don't care. I'm going to give you know. You just feed his ego and he gave you an A, basically. But what it came down to is it was so insufferable, the topics that we would discuss, that I had a couple friends in the class and we would just skip class because he didn't he didn't take role. So we would just skip class and it happened to be right after lunch. So we would get like a, a two hour lunch, you know, as opposed to a one hour lunch. We would just skip his class and. The fact is, it isn't that it wasn't that he was such a bad teacher. It's just there's nothing that he could say in that class that couldn't be taught in a more interesting and relevant way in and was in English, in history, in science, all of these things about the development of society, about social mores and social change were all part of our lessons in English and history and in science, why did we need a, a distinct box called sociology uh, where he would sort of exclude those other interesting um developments like why did we develop this that or the other cultural uh habit whereas in history it would be put in some sort of context in english class it would be put into some sort of uh context of and this is the literature that it produced it was very interesting but sociology was so dull and seemed to be so self-gratifying there wasn't a there wasn't a sense of of a multidisciplinary, interesting approach. It was, I'm going to pretend sociology is a thing so I can have a job as a sociology teacher. Well, and then that's why you can imagine that the American uh, Sociological Association, the ASA, certainly not happy about happy about this. Um, they're, we're talking about how the de- decision to remove sociology from Florida's core curriculum is a tragic blow to students' intellectual freedom. Um, but it doesn't seem like that is uh, based with really any evidence. They are saying, I mean, uh, they are saying they're going to go ahead and, and offer courses that are actually based in based in history. It's not like, uh, you know, the, these things are going to completely go away. Well, yeah, you don't need a course on sociology to discuss 
social trends. Social trends become evident in other things. They become evident in government. They become evident in literature. They become evident in science. They become evident in fashion. You don't need to to take and dis, and sort of distill all that into one class when you can make it much more interesting to see how those social how the social development how it impacted other subjects that gets you interested in history it gets you interested in literature whereas if i'm just going to tell you about you know australopithecus and how australopithecus and and just dull and boring and and how these are the ways that society develops you know we go from uh from using wooden tools to stone tools to metal who cares what how did that how did that manifest itself in the lives of these people and you have history and literature and science that can explain all those things in a much in much fuller and a much more satisfying way. You're listening to my conversation with Joel Wolverton, the John Birch Society's constitutional law scholar, talking about the moves other states are making. Uh, Oklahoma kind of has followed uh, Florida, or I think actually Florida has followed Oklahoma, I should say, with taking out DEI uh, from college campuses. Uh, that's happening in, in Florida uh, as well, also doing away with uh, some of these sociology lessons and, and courses um, so making waves in some other states, uh, your thoughts on the DEI part of things, which I know we've discussed on this program before, Joe. Yeah, I mean, no one, no one who thinks rationally thinks that DEI is a good idea as a value for determining one's uh, qualifications for anything. One's right. Ra- I mean, it, it's odd that on, you know, just here we are a couple of weeks past Martin Luther King Day that, you know, a man who famously, you know, I I have a dream that one day, you know, my children and white children will be judged for the content of their character, not for the color of their skin, to where we have people who praise Dr. King and praise that whole civil rights movement and yet want to turn it on its head. They want to say, no, we in fact want the color of someone's skin. We want one's gender to determine, to be the most important determinative of that person's dignity. And that is turning all of that on its head, Liz. It makes, it absolutely makes no sense to someone who takes a step back and looks rationally at what's happening. That's the problem. It seems rational thinking has has gone out the window. I want to talk a bit more about what's uh, happening in Florida, Oklahoma, and also what we've learned about higher education after October 7th. Uh, Are we finally at a turning point because of that? Again, this show is brought to you by The New American. For more, visit thenewamerican.com. More with Mr. Joe Wolverton when we come back. Welcome back to Educate. This is Liz Collin, continuing my conversation with the John Birch Society's constitutional law scholar, Mr. Joe Wolverton. 
Talking about quite a few things here as we focus on moves happening in Florida currently to get rid of DEI. Sociology is going out the window on on college campuses across that state. And Joe joins me more with that conversation. I would like to see those states whose people value such things as DEI, that they enshrine that in their law. And those states where the people see the absurdity, the collectivism in such things, that they do away with those things so that Americans can be left to do as our founders intended and vote with our feet. You know, if you if you are living in a state where the majority of the people and thus the legislators are enacting uh, laws and statutes, enshrining DEI and making that the modus operandi for for hiring and for uh, assigning quality and value to individ to to groups of individuals as opposed to individuals themselves then perhaps you should you know vote with your feet we're intended to be these 50 individual little laboratories of liberty so if if california wants to hire their teachers and their pilots and their uh anything else based on dei let them and those people in California who value individual worth and individual liberty as opposed to the collectivism and communism of DEI, then those people should vote with their feet and move to a state like Florida, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Missouri, Arkansas, Idaho, any of these states where the state legislators are considering completely moving away from such things. And it would be glorious, Liz. Because what would happen is all of these states where these rational thinking people, where these people who love individual liberty and individual worth, where these people end up going, those states, you would instantly see an increase in prosperity. You would see an increase in building, an increase in opportunity. And that would draw those people in the middle who aren't quite sure what to think about DEI. They would see that, hey, the states that have completely abolished it, those states are prospering. Those people are happier and prospering, doing better for themselves, living lives of greater liberty. I want that. And so what you would see is sort of a, uh, to, to use the word ironically, sociological, you would see a sociological survival of the fittest. And those people who don't know better or who are confused would be led to those states where DEI has rightly been ridiculed and abolished. And that's what I was talking about with this Oklahoma superintendent of public instruction. Again, Ryan Walters is his name. You can take a listen to that conversation just from last week on Educate. But a bird's eye view is quite interesting. You have more people, it seems, especially on social media and such, uh, supporting these comments, saying, gosh, this is refreshing for, for you know leaders in, in, in Florida to do this, uh, for, for Mr. Walters to, to bring this. Um, you know, and, and there's sort of the kind of this, you know, I, I've been thinking this, but thank God somebody's actually saying, saying it out loud. That seems to be happening on a lot of these uh, campuses, it, it, it seems. I wanted to turn um, our attention now to this next topic, which I also think you can file under that category a bit, kind of refreshing uh, that, that somebody is, is speaking up. Um, this is uh, in response to uh, the horror uh, that happened on October 7th. But the ugly, um, I, I should say, the ugly truth, really what we learned about uh, higher education off 
after October 7th. So just for, for background, it's the American Council of Trustees and Alumni. Uh, on January 16th, the ACTA president, uh, Michael Polyak, uh, sat on a panel with other distinguished higher education experts uh, to discuss issues of free speech on college campuses off, after the October 7th, uh, we can call it a, a massacre that happened in, in Israel. And then, and then there's a, a PDF that's posted uh, that included uh, his remarks. And again, talking to Joe Wolverton, the John Birch Society's constitutional law scholar. I'm I'm curious as to your response um, to those words, because I think it's a very strongly, uh, some strongly worded remarks. Yeah, I, I think one of the things that struck me about the the PDF that included, you know, the whole hey, hey, ho, ho, Western Civ has got yeah. to go. You know, it's Western civilization that created universities, Liz. Do you realize there were people getting degrees at Oxford before the Aztec Empire existed? So let's realize that the entire system of university exists because of western civilization because of the movements that that were created and fostered by very foresightful men in western civilization and that this this attempt to um I don't know, use the university system as a way to destroy those who created the university system. I'm thinking that one that perhaps the best thing to do would, you know, get rid of those people who abused the system to destroy the system. Because, yeah. uh, you know, the, the notion that, look, let's just be honest. If you I used to tell my students this at university that if I gave each one of you a million dollars right now uh in in three years there would not be equality because some of you would invest it some of you would build some of you would save some of you there would be so many diverse responses to the receipt of this of this windfall but that diversity of response would reveal the fact that equality is a lie and we want equality to be a lie because freedom and equality cannot coexist this has been taught to us from from socrates onward we cannot have equality and freedom because freedom allows us to demonstrate our innate inequality because some of us want more some of us want better and some of us want to be rewarded for doing nothing other than being black being gay being a female being being someone that that uh kowtows to those um groups that's it that's it's it's victimology is all it is. It's victim. If I can portray myself as some sort of victim, then you owe me some sort of reparation. And if we had, if society like had been like that a thousand years ago, I can't, you and I would still be, would still be serfs on some feudal Lord's farm somewhere in England or France or something. Yeah. And this, uh, I was looking around on the website, he talks about, you know, what the American Council of Trustees and Alumni, what they do saying, quote, we work with boards of trustees, activists, alumni, alumni groups, legislators to strengthen academic standards 
academic standards, intellectual diversity, and the free exchange of ideas on campus. These matters are, in fact, core concerns as we look at the dysfunction of so many institutions of higher education, and they reflect directly on the moral and intellectual bankruptcy we saw on campus after October 7th. Um, you know, it, then going on to say, what does it mean that students and faculty on a number of campuses rushed to celebrate on October 8th, the day after the worst massacre of Jews since the Holocaust? These citizens of the academy were not suddenly dropped at college that day by an evil angel. How did the universities that once boasted that they were the envy of the world uh, get, get to this point? But but you're right. Is there really a surprise? Uh, it, it seems for people like like this, perhaps uh, it, it did come as a surprise. Yeah, I mean, it's it's free speech for me, but not for thee. If you go on there and you proclaim, if you're a professor and you stand up in your American history course and you decide to lecture for a couple of weeks on the correctness of the constitutional interpretation of the leaders of the Confederacy, you're likely to be fired. You're at least going to be censured. Your students are going to walk out in protest. But if you stand up and you praise the the unpraiseworthy, if you point out this, you know, if you decide to lecture for a couple of weeks on the suffering of of transgenders and how they need to our support and they need to be exalted. And then if you say, well, as a matter of fact, you know, there were several Roman emperors who were transgender. Now, it, it, no basis, in fact, but who cares? And so that that sort of ignorance. Sorry, I have to jump in here just because we have to head to a break here again, listening uh, to my conversation with Joe Wolverton. This show is brought to you by The New American. For more, visit thenewamerican.com. We'll be right back. Self-reliance. It's not a phrase we hear much in our culture these days. It might conjure up images of pioneers, the West, rifles, strapping men and strong women. But what does it mean for us in today's world? The New American Magazine has just released its latest collector's edition, Self-Reliance, Foundation of Freedom. In it, the New American authors outline the necessity of self-reliance for a free people, tips for self-reliant living, and the importance of not giving up hope. This unique edition includes articles on the self-sufficiency of the founders, preparing for a worst-case scenario, firearms, financial self-reliance, the importance of community, and many other topics by expert writers. Now, for a limited time, The New American is offering a bundle of three collector's editions, Self-Reliance, The Great Reset, and Trump World for just $19.95. A great stocking stuffer available at shopjbs.org. Visit shopjbs.org today. You're listening to Educate. I'm Liz Collin. Continuing our conversation with Jill Wolverton, the John Birch Society's constitutional law scholar. Gosh, we've uh, we covered a lot of a lot of ground, but I do like when Joe gets uh, passionate. But we're t- talking about um, everything that that we've seen um, after October 7th. It seems on college campuses. I know we've certainly covered quite a bit um, here in, in Minneapolis and the University of Minnesota campus. Um, some hor- horrific, I would consider. Um, you know, protests that have that have taken place and sort of how colleges have have responded uh, to it. But but Joe, I wanted you to pick up where where you left off with with your thoughts um, as to as to what's playing out. Well, I just it's it's one of these things, Liz, that that tyranny demands ignorance. 
prejudice demands ignorance. And we're seeing this ignorance. And and how is it that you can have entire nations, you know, um, bow the knee to tyrants? Well, you have it because if you want to enslave a country, you need only keep it ignorant. And when you go and you use, you can use whatever, you know, if you, what is it that Archimedes said? You know, you give me a lever large enough and I can move the whole earth. Well, that's what this is. DEI is this lever that is being used to displace the truths of the glories and grandeur of Western civilization. And in that void, they're going to fill it with prejudicial, completely false narratives that support and prop up their own positions. And you're going to end up with generation after generation of Americans who are taught from the cradle until, you know, until they're in their 20s, these lies about Western civilization, about history. And what's going to happen is you are going to be unable to dissuade them. You're going to be unable to disabuse them of these erroneous notions of Western civilization and the history of the United States in particular, you're going to be unable. It's like Alfred Teffler once said, he said that, you know, going forward, education will not be so much as to learn things as to unlearn things. And that's what we're going to have. We're going to have a real, uh, you know, Sisyphusian trial in front of us of disabusing generations of Americans of their erroneous and frankly destructive notions of Western civilization and America. So you have the American Council of Trustees and alumni. This is what uh, Joe Wolverton and I are discussing here on Educate, this sort of PDF uh, that that is uh, just kind of a record as to as to what they were d- discussing. I thought it was interesting. It says uh, the Heritage Foundation did some research uh, for us examining the Twitter feeds of 741 DEI personnel at 65 universities, comparing their communications regarding Israel and China. I found that 96% of the tweets regarding Israel were negative, while 62% regarding China were positive. Then there is this ignorance, stunning ignorance, as, as he points out here, the president, as a Berkeley professor discovered less than half the students he found chanting uh, you know, that ugly phrase from the river to the sea couldn't even name the river um, when when surveyed. So so there's that, too. But but it almost sounds, you know, to what you're speaking to, Joe, this is a, a little too late. Yeah, I mean, I think we've gone so many years uh, down this road that we're going to have to almost surrender a certain uh, certain segments of society to these people and then focus on those segments where we have opportunity and build them and build around those segments impregnable walls of truth. We have to do that because, unfortunately, I don't know if I would send a child to college at this point. I, I would worry that I would, that that's akin to sending my child to Rome and, and then crying when he comes home praising Caesar. I, I don't think I could do that. I think I would, I would encourage him to be an autodidact. I would encourage him to, to read. I would encourage, I would give him like the founders did give their, you know, 
children and their young relatives book list of books to read because i think you go to college you're going to end up with this kind of thing where they're you know hey hey ho ho western civilization has got to go and then you ask i bet if you ask any of those kids and they are just infantile if you ask them what is western civilization i don't know that they could give you an answer yeah i don't know they could give you a cogent a cogent correct answer as to the definition of Western civilization. How about this too? It mentions 1,100 colleges and in, in universities. And uh, this is the, they're talking about what they do. They grade them on their core curricula. So 1,100 colleges, 19%, uh, only 19% require even a single foundational course on American history and government, uh, much less Western civilization, as, as you're talking about. Prejudice feeds on such ignorance. Who is to blame for failure to establish a solid core curriculum? Look no further than faculty and administrators. It's sad that it often takes legislators to tell the educators what they fail uh, to see. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it's one of these things. It's it's uh, like that Ray Bradbury thing. You don't have to burn a book. Just don't talk about it for, for 20 years. <laughs> Right. And that's what's happening here. You don't you know, we don't even have to to talk about American history, America, uh, points of American history that would be inspiring and inspired. Just ignore them. Focus solely on those the errors that we've made. And that will do the work for us. We don't have to argue. And of course, as we filter out the people, the students who want to hear the truth, as we filter those people out, soon we don't need to talk about it at all, which is actually a good thing for us, Liz. You know, we 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 need to surrender some ground to these people and realize that we're not surrendering anything valuable because we can educate our children. We can educate ourselves. We don't really need to send our children to demented socialists in order to call our children educated anymore. We don't need to do that. I think you can also, if you know, let's say you do, if you if you perhaps are listening and you do have a, a child in, in college, a student in college, what's your advice at, uh, you know, at, at that point? Uh, withdraw. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't I don't know that there's a good reason. You don't, as we increasingly see stories, you don't need a college degree right. to get many good jobs anymore. Everyone's bemoaning the 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 lack of true history taught the the disrespect for our traditions why are you doing it then why are you propping up such a a system that has at its core a design to destroy all that is good propping up with your time and and your money and your money yes ma'am yeah. I wanted to, to spend just our last couple of minutes together, Joe, because we have yet to discuss this on on Educate, but I think it's something uh, that our audience will certainly be interested in. Talk about your, your podcast, Teacher of Liberty. You know, this is what happens. Everybody just withdraw uh, from college. Tune in uh, to Joe's podcast, Teacher of Liberty, uh, but the podcast sharing the forgotten and hidden stories from our history to ignite fires of freedom. Uh, that's the, the slogan there, but, but talk about what, what people can, um, can tune in for there. Yeah. My, the whole goal is to restore to our collective, uh, cultural knowledge, the 
learning of our founding fathers, not just the things that they wrote, but the things that they read that inspired them, names that used to be quoted by our 9, 10, 11-year-old founding fathers that professors of American history know nothing about today. So my podcast is devoted to restoring these works, restoring the names and lives and works of these men that were so influential in our founding fathers and who are completely forgotten today. The latest uh, video that I put up there was my interview with the world's most renowned Algernon Sydney scholar. And such a great discussion. I had people comment on the video that it brought them to tears because they're like, why has this man's name been kept from us? Well, you read, and like I said the other day, I was on a podcast talking about my podcast, and I told the guy, go read tonight five minutes of Algernon Sidney's Discourses Concerning Government, and you will know at the end of that five minutes why American children are no longer taught about that man and his writing. You will know within five minutes why that has been kept from us now for so long. And so I think it's great. Yeah, my podcast is just restoring all of these guys, all of these names, particularly the top 10 guys that our founding fathers referred to all the time and who there are about two of them that two of those names that even professors today would recognize. So again, search for Teacher of Liberty on YouTube. It's easy to find, and I hope people will subscribe to to your channel. Again, the John Birch Society's constitutional law scholar, Joe Wolverton, thank you so much for being on again this week. We appreciate it. Always a pleasure, Liz. Thank you for the invitation. We hope to talk to you again real soon. Thanks for listening to Educate. This has been Liz Collin. We'll talk again next week. 